Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The podcast is about to begin. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 99 of the Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. I am your host, Tino Romero Jr., a.k.a. The Graveyard Grumbler. Today's episode is a controversial one. So if you are easily offended and you are extremely religious, Catholic to be exact, right now is the best time to plug your ears or just turn off my podcast. Today's episode is going to be about the Catholic Church. Ooh, the Catholic Church. Grumbler, do you know what you're doing? Yeah, I know what I'm doing. This was going to be a Patreon episode, but then I talked myself out of it and said, hey, why not just release it to the masses to, so all of my listeners can enjoy this episode? So this is what I'm doing. I am releasing this episode as a regular non-paywall. That way my tons and tons of fans can enjoy what the Catholic Church has done since the inception of it back in the day. Again, this is not a direct attack on the Catholic Church. I am atheist and I don't really care about religion. I just found it really interesting of uh, how much shit we don't know what exactly the churches have done, specifically the Catholic Church. So without further hesitation, let's go ahead and get into episode 99, the Catholic Church. When did the Catholic Church become an actual church? When did they become a thing? As a branch of Christianity, Roman Catholicism can be traced to the life and teachings of Jesus Christ in Roman-occupied Jewish Palestine about 30 CE. According to Roman Catholic teaching, each of the sacraments were instituted by Christ himself. Nothing there. I mean, we already know that Christ himself has supposedly written and all this has, has written and, and he himself has come out and pretty much written the Bible or, or given the, 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 <laughs> the power of, to other people to write it, specifically the 12 apostles, I believe. I'm, I, I'm not familiar with it anymore like I used to be. I used to be hardcore into, into the church. I mean, I was forced to go to, to, cat, to catechism. I made my first Holy Communion. I was confirmed. I had my baptism. I had the whole nine. I mean, it, it was pointless to me personally. I hate church. I fucking hate it. I've always hated church. But according to, according to the history of, of, the, of Catholicism, it was created by Jesus Christ himself in Roman occupied, in, in the Christianity, in Jesus Christ in Roman occupied Jewish Palestine back in 30 CE. So this has a long history of development and a long history of fucked up shit that they have done. So I'm not even going to hesitate. I'm just going to jump right in into the fucked up shit that the Catholic Church has done. So horrible shit they have done. Pope Pius XII denying eyewitness reports of mass execution during the Holocaust. Pope Pius denying eyewitness reports of mass execution during the Holocaust. What? That just happened in the 40s. Pope Pius is widely criticized for refusing to publicly condemn the Nazi party, though there have been contradictory reports as to whether the Pope placed the papacies, the the papacies, papacies, I don't know how to say that word, P-A-P-A-C-A-Y-S, or uh, C-Y apostrophe S, papacies, 
supremacy above the plight of Europe's Jews or was attempting to prevent German retaliation and ensure the continued success of the Catholic Church's behind-the-scenes effort to aid victims of persecution. However, to sum it up, the Pope said, none of this is happening, the church must go on. We don't see Jews being executed by the hundreds and thousands and millions. We don't see that. What we see is we see a troubled people needing God more. We need more church. And because of that, we're going to keep operating even though, even though, even though Hitler was 100% Christian and denounced anything other than Christianity. We know that Catholicism is a form of Christianity. We understand that. But he was straight Christian, no Catholic, no Roman Catholic, no anything else. He was Christian, Christianity, bottom line. And because of the atrocities that the church witnessed, I mean, he had several Catholic Jewish folks that were that were both of both faith. I mean, when when shit hits the wall, you're no you're no longer able to practice your given religion, which is Jewish, giving to those individuals during that that struggle. You tend to reach out to other churches and hope that the good of their heart are going to help you out. But unfortunately, they just turned a blind eye and said, none of that's happening. Huh. Early in 2020, however, documents related to the Pope's wartime activities previously held in the Vatican archives were unsealed. And they suggest that Pius learned of the mass execution of the Jewish people in the fall of 1942. According to historians studying the documents, an advisor dismissed the reports as exaggerated prompting the Pope to tell the U.S. that, quote, the Vatican was unable to confirm the crimes, even though they were documented by their own people held in Vatican storage compartments, in Vatican archives, the U.S., the, the Pope told the U.S. that the Vatican was unable to confirm, confirm these crimes, even though they had their own people in that area in the 40s, and I witnessed it directly themselves with their own eyeballs. But yet, because the church would not would not sit well with the atrocities and they didn't want to be tied down to it, we're going to deny it. Deny that they were even there. The new evidence detailed that in German week, in, the, in the German weekly die, hold on. In the new evidence detailed in the German weekly, in Germany, weekly die, holy shit, weekly die reiterates that in September 1942, Pius's assistant, the future Pope Paul the Eleventh or Sixth, received an eyewitness report of Jews being persecuted in Warsaw. According to Haratz, in August 1942, Ukrainian Archbishop Andrzej Zapoksky also informed the Vatican of persecution being carried out in the Lvov ghetto. Now, I do apologize for anyone who is able to speak any sort of these languages that I am attempting to speak myself. I fuck it up each and every time. I don't do it purposely. I try to, but I have so much going on that I forget the pronunciations. So my fault, my bad. Please do not burn me at the stake. Ha <laughs> ha, church joke. <laughs> You'll understand that joke here in a minute. So now they, 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 in Warsaw, according to Harat, in August 1942, the Ukrainian Archbishop Andrzej Zavotsky also informed the Vatican of persecution being carried out in the Lvov ghetto. However, the Vatican still refuses to admit that they had any any idea or any evidence proving that they that that the persecution of Jews were happening or that they pretty much never saw it. Now, answer me this: Does that mean that it is not very religious of them, not very Catholic of them for for them to turn a blind eye, denouncing or not denouncing, but relying at the fact that 
they witnessed the atrocities happening right before them, right in front of them, but yet they lied about it saying, oh, we can't confirm that. Hmm, kind of fishy to me. Number three, systemically covering up tens of thousands of cases involving sexual misconduct. This is not a surprise. We understand that the Catholic Church is riddled with sexual promiscuities and and sexual mishaps and sexual controversies. We, We understand that. I mean, there's a lot of altar boy jokes. There's tons of jokes about sexual assault regarding priests to young men. And it's not a lie. It is 100% confirmed. And it is so bad. It is so bad that a task force initially tried to launch a, a raid on every single United States church in the United States, America, in good old USA. However, it was denied and protested against by the Pope. And because of the stronghold and the power that the Pope has, Guess what? You guessed it. The investigation was dropped, and so therefore it was a church issue handled only by the church. But let's go ahead and get into it. Remember the time there remember the time there was a systemic cover-up of abuse, molestation, and rape at the hands of priests that went all the way up to the top of the church? Conservative estimate conservative esti- estimates say there were 17,000 200 victims in the U.S. alone, and this type of mistreatment happened worldwide. In the U, in 50 states, not, and this isn't even calculating exactly a number of how many occurrences happened to each church. More occurrences happened in more churches than what another church happened. That's obvious. But think about it. Just in, in the United States alone, 17,200 victims were discovered, came forward and complained about the sexual misconduct and sexual mistreatment, the rape, molestation, inappropriateness into the world. When complaints came in, priests and other offenders were transferred rather than punished. When complaints came in, priests and other offenders were transferred rather than punished. The extent of their actions will probably never be fully understood because of the decades of cover-up. The extent of their actions will probably never be fully understood because of the decades of cover-up. Now, if you can sit there and fully agree and say, yes, I'm still Catholic and I still back the church and I will do whatever the Catholic church recommends me to do, then you're in the wrong religion, homie. I don't mean to dog you out. I don't mean to point you out. I don't mean to do anything negative. However, if you can sit there and say 17,200 U.S. victims alone discovered by, by discovered by, that they were abused at the hands of Catholic priests and other Catholic whatever religious leaders or whatever you call them, and you're okay with that? You're okay with that? Come on now. But the church isn't denying it anymore. The Archdiocese of Milwaukee acknowledged the severity of the issue and agreed to pay a $21 million settlement to 300 victims. But these types of settlements are few and far between. The reason why is the reason why they paid $21 million, I remember reading about this. They paid $21, $21 million to 300 victims pretty much to shut up, shut them up and say, look, we fucked up. It's our bad. Here's our way of saying sorry. But we're not going to get rid of the priest who were found guilty. We're not going to get rid of the priest and other individuals who, who conducted this mistreatment and, and molestation of these young boys. And even nuns. Oh, nuns were raped too. Don't, don't, don't think that that didn't happen. Don't think it was just targeted at little boys. Little boys were the majority of the sexual assault, but nuns were also raped and touched inappropriately. I mean, there was one, there was one occurrence where, they, where one woman was gang raped by priest. 
in the church. Come on now. Luckily, Pope Francis has set up a tribunal to hold the bishops who facilitate a cover-up to account. The molestation of children is still happening at the hands of priests 15 years after the Boston Globe broke the story. It is still happening right now. And if you're still okay with going to church and saying that you're Catholic and, and, and backing a fucking religion, boy, I tell you, I don't know. In fact, in August 2018, a grand jury reported that internal documents from six Pennsylvania dioceses noted that over 300 Predator priests were credibly accused, a seemingly subjective accusation acknowledgement based on the discretion discretion of individual dioceses of harming more than 1,000 child victims. The alleged violations go as far back as 1947. Here's the kicker. Now listen to this part. Due to the statute of limitations, only two priests were charged with abusing minors. Over 300 predator priests, but only two were charged because of the goddamn ridiculous statute of limitations. Only two priests were charged for abusing minors. So now that still leaves 298 fucking priests that are still roaming around the goddamn church. Because, you know, there is no age limit to retire as a priest. You know that, right? Until the priest says, God has, has told me that I have fulfilled my work. There's no reason for me to continue working. And that could be at 80, 90, 100 goddamn years old. There's priests in Europe right now that are 95 years old and they're still practicing. There's no, there's no age limit for retirement. There's no forced retirement. 300 priests were found as predators, confirmed predators. But because of the statute of limitations, because this date back from the 1940s, only two were charged. And that means the two were charged happened in the most recent 10 or 15 years. I can't remember the exact uh, what is it, the, the exact cushion for the statute of limitations. So that means that they only found two that were guilty within the past 10, 15 years. Get the fuck out of here. In February two, 2019, however, Pope Francis publicly acknowledged the systemic maltreatment and vowed to combat the problem. He said, quote, I think that it's continuing because it's not like once you realize it, that it stops. It continues, and for some time, we've been working on it. End quote. Shut the fuck up, Pope. You're a liar. Yeah, you know it, but what are you going to do? You have over a million goddamn congreg- congregations to, to handle and to view, and you're telling me that you're going to, you think of it as continuing because you think it's not like once you realize it that it stops? Of course it doesn't stop. You have to take everyone out and shoot them in the fucking head. Every single priest, every single person that has touched a, a little child or has raped a woman brutally and forcefully, they need to be taken out. But if you still back the church, the Catholic church, knowing that they are actively, They are actively abusing and raping women and children in their church and in their congregations, in orphanages. Then, you know, you have to look at yourself. There's something inside of you that you need to understand and fix within yourself and pick maybe a different religion, maybe Scientology. By the way, I'm going to do an episode on Scientology as well. The International Union of Superiors General has used the uprising of the hashtag MeToo movement to denounce the culture of silence and secrecy. With the support of Pope Francis and the pushback from the community of international female superiors, the Catholic Church claims to be, quote, working on overcoming the years of sexual mistreatment by persons in power. Get the fuck out of here. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change because you, when, you, when you isolate someone for several years and you tell them that you must be celibate and you think that that's going to solve any of their desires, any of their things that are twisted up in their fucking head, you are absolutely wrong. Not all priests are bad. I'm not saying that. But I remember personally, there was a priest called Padre Simon, Father Simon, at the Our Lady of Guadalupe Church on, on 
California. And this motherfucker would smoke a cigarette in front of us. He would punch me in the goddamn head. He was called something called like a coscoron. What that means in English is that your middle knuckle, you pop up your middle knuckle a little bit and you hit the kid right on the forehead. Pow. This dude would, would do that to me all the time. Well, do that to all the kids. And he was just fucking rude. I mean, not all priests are good priests. Not all priests are bad priests. I mean, we all know that. However, why would you continue backing and, and defending knowing that there are more predators out there than what you can count. And you're going to sit here and tell me that that this isn't an issue or it's an issue that we're trying to get a hold of. You're, the only way you're going to get a hold of it is if you just destroy the fucking church by itself. The, the Catholic church is not good, and I'm going to give you more reasons why it's not good. Let's continue. Number four, terrorizing Jews and Muslims for over 300 years. Yeah, terrorizing Jews and Muslims. In... Uh, in 1095, when Pope Urban II made a plea for war with Muslims, armies of Christians in Western Europe took up the charge. The Pope promised serfs freedom if they went galvanizing the masses. In the First Crusade, an army of peasants led by Peter the Hermit was massacred by the Turks. When an army of knights went after them and captured Jerusalem, it was said they slaughtered Muslims until the streets ran with blood. Now, remember back in the old times, back in, in Renaissance times and in all this other shit, everything was done by the church, for the church, and because of God. By the will of God, by the grace of God, cities were, were, were taken, women were raped, villages were pillaged, and people were overthrown and be on, the, on the word of God because of the church. This isn't very different because of the Muslim, because the Muslims, the Muslim religion challenged the powering and, and the growth of, the, of Catholicism. They said, hell, let's just go to war with Muslims and Jewish since they are two of the oldest religions around. And if we can destroy all of them, then Catholicism will be the only prominent religion in the entire world. That is a fact. Look it up if you don't believe me. God damn it, I sound like Alex Jones. This was only the beginning. Waves of the Crusades continued until 1396, marking three centuries of warfare and incalculable, incalculable human suffering. Catholics definitely weren't the only religion involved in the mass violence, but Pope Urban II got the ball rolling. Here's a nice juicy summary of the sordid catastrophe. It was said in war books. This was uh, written in a pamphlet, not pamphlet, in a war journal, apparently. Taking the heads of slain enemies and impaling them upon spikes appears to have been a favorite pastime among crusaders. Chronicles record a story of Crusader Bishop who referred to the impaled heads of slain Muslims as a joyful spectacle for the people of God. Chronicles record a story of a Crusader Bishop who referred to the impaled heads of slain Muslims as a joyful spectacle for the people of God. When Muslim cities were captured by Christian crusaders, it was standard operating procedures for all inhabitants, no matter what their age, to be summarily killed. It is not an exaggeration to say that the streets ran red with blood as Christians revealed in church-sanctioned horrors. Jews who took, took Jews, or I lost my Jews who took refuge in the synagogues would be burned alive, not unlike the treatment they received in Europe. Jews who took refuge in their own synagogues would be burned alive, not like the treatment they received in Europe. And this was all by the name of God, in the name of Christianity, the name of Catholicism. This was all to destroy other religions who were growing, who were just as big, 
remember, Muslim is one of the Muslim is one of the oldest religions in the entire world. This dates back before time even started being dated. <laughs> so you're you're telling me that that Christianity and Catholicism over here because they're one of the same, the same of the one. They're going to not like what is going on with other religions, so they're going to go and push their power and make it to where no, you can't practice this because I'm not going to let you. By the name, you are not under the name of God. You are not protected by God. And so therefore, therefore, we're not going to let it ride. The fuck out of here. Number five, pretty much everything done by Pope Boniface VIII. When you're such an evil Pope that Dante reserves you a spot in the eight circles of hell, you definitely get a place on the list and are probably laughing in heaven right now at the filthy plebs who wrote this. It's amazing to think people of this nature were endorsed by the Catholic Church, let alone elected to lead the organization, a pope. A pope. Think about it. Boniface VIII, who was in action or who was alive from 1230 to 1303, was guilty of many horrible crimes that some some total make him seem like a sadistic Roman emperor. Among other things, he oversaw the complete destruction of Palestrina, a city that peacefully surrendered. Palestrina was completely razed and Boniface ordered a plow driven over it to prove it had been reduced to nothing but earth and rubble. You know, priests take a vow of celibacy, right? Apparently, Boniface VIII didn't take his too seriously. He he once had a three-way with a married woman and her daughter, but was even more well-known for saying that having intercourse with young boys was as natural as rubbing one hand against the other. Now, this comes from a pope, a Catholic pope. Listen to what he said. This is documentation. This is proven fact of historians. Having intercourse with young boys was as natural as rubbing one hand against the other. But what happened to Catholicism hating gays, hating the gay, hating don't lay with them, don't lay with them with someone of the same sex? Being gay is going to have you burned at the stake. But this this pope is saying that it sleeping with young boys was as natural as rubbing one hand against the other. No wonder why there's so many goddamn fucking pedophiles in the catholic church right now is because it when you have someone who's a pope who has been openly documented saying that it's natural to sleep with young boys they think well it's it's natural let's just go ahead and get it done boy i tell you so obviously he was raping or at least fornicating with children to celebrate his many great accomplishments boniface the eighth just loved erecting statue himself so add hubris to his list of sins number six Burning Joan of Arc for dressing like a man. Wait a minute, Joan of Arc? I thought Joan of Arc got all the, all the animals together two by two by two by two and we sailed the seven seas because it was raining for 40 days and 40 nights. Isn't that Joan of Arc? Isn't that the same gal or, or is that Puncher's Pilot or some shit like that? I, I could have swore Joan of Arc was, was, a, was one of the most revealed saviors of our species that can possibly be, right? Wrong. Let's get into it. You may know Joan of Arc as a saint, but the church didn't always hold her in such high esteem. In fact, at one time, she was pretty much the Catholic Church's public enemy number one. In 1429, 17-year-old Joan of Arc, believing God had spoken to her, instigated an uprising to get the English out of France. But some high-powered Catholics who sympathized with the English weren't pleased. French King Charles VII wisely accepted Joan's help in his first fight against the English, and together... They won some major battles. When Joan was captured, Charles VII, unsure of whether he trusted her as an (laughs) emesis, 
I can't say this word. Emessary of God, E-M-I-S-S-A-R. I think it's emessary of God handed her over to the church with and which <laughs> handed her over to the church, which did what Catholics do best, put her on trial for hearsay with no evidence. To make things one step more ridiculous, Joan was denied counsel, which was against church rules. Despite this, she is framed for remaining. She, despite this, she is famed for remaining cool, calm, and dripping with integrity throughout the trial. Because there was no evidence of hearsay, Joan was found guilty of one of the 70-plus other charges brought against her wearing men's clothes, for which she was burned at the stake in 1431 in front of a crowd of thousands. The church was determined to get her, and it did. She was burned at the stake for wearing men's clothing. Again, if you are for the Catholic Church and you think that none of this is wrong, you need, to, you need to seriously look at yourself in the mirror and wonder, how can I back a church for burning someone who was an ally, burning them at the stake in front of thousands for wearing men's clothing? No other, no other severe charges or no other charges other than, than wearing men's clothes. Fuck out of here. In 1456, Charles VII ordered an investigation into Joan's trial. The result, she was declared innocent and made a martyr. The church followed suit in 1920, canonized her, talk about it, and can- the church followed suit and in 1920 canonized her. Talk about a change of heart. Maybe since all male church officials wear dresses like robes, they decided it was okay for Joan to dress like a man. Now, leave me in the comments. Let me know, Graveyard Grumbler at... Graveyard Grumbler Podcast on Instagram, Graveyard Grumbler Podcast on Podbean. Let me know if Joan of Arc was the right one, right? Joan of Arc was the one who saved the animals two by two by two. And then she was burned and later on revealed as a martyr because the church said, damn, we fucked up. They didn't really do much. Number seven, burning William Tydale for making a vernacular Bible for the masses. What? Making a vernacular Bible for the masses? What does that mean? What that means is making a Bible so everyone can read and understand. That's all that means. Vernacular. It's nothing serious, but we'll find out why. Why was he burned? You think the church would make the mass distribution of its cortex a main priority. As it turns out, in the 16th century, this was the last thing powerful Catholics wanted. Scholar William Tydale, on the other hand, wanted this so badly that he went into hiding to translate the Bible into English so lay people could read it for themselves. He went into hiding to translate the Bible into English. The church was not happy about this, and when copies were smuggled around Europe, Catholic authorities demanded they be burned. Hmm, does that sound familiar? Burning books? Huh. Is there a coincidence between ridiculousness, burning books, and religion? Absolutely not. And what of Tydale? He was captured, tried for heresy. <laughs> he was captured, tried for heresy for daring translate the Bible and burned at the stake. Burned at the stake for translating the Bible so more people can understand it. Which in result would create what? More Catholic followers and more people to follow the church, right? Because if you can understand the word of God in all languages, why not? When church authorities decided that printing Bibles in English was okay, they borrowed a whole lot from, Ty, from Tyndale's 
translation. Oh, and they never apologized for it, by the way. Even though they acknowledge that, eh, it's fine. I mean, we we just are 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 what is that? Our our membership quadrupled now that people can read the Bible in English. Yeah, it's okay. We're, we're we're we'll go ahead and use whatever Bible, whatever this guy already already translated, and we're just gonna keep it. Oh no, we're not gonna say sorry, even though we fucked up. We burned him at the stake for helping the Catholic cause. They burned him at the stake for helping the Catholic cause. Now, if you have any questions about any of these things that I'm reading, please look them up for yourself. These are facts. I mean, it just I, I looked up several of them over and over and over, and it all states the same thing from different scholars and historians. Number eight, slaying countless women as witches because Pope Innocent VII was paranoid. Slaying countless women as witches because Pope Innocent VII was paranoid. The Catholic Church wasn't the only group involved in witch hunts, but it kicked things off with Malice, Malafocrum, Hammer of Witches, a doozy of a book written in 1487 after Pope Innocent VII declared, oh, excuse me, Pope Innocent VIII declared by Papal, by Papal Bull that witches were real and a threat due to their involvement with Satan and were a threat due to their involvement with Satan. He wanted that shit investigated stats. So clergyman Johann Springer and Heinrich Kreimer used his Latin name, using his Latin name, Henricus Institurus, took up the call and literally wrote the book on witches, Satanist, Satanist, which were, which were invented, which were invented for this book and hunt thereof. And boy, was it a success. It was so popular that for 200 years, it was second only to the Bible on the sales chart. Who the fuck buys a Bible? You could just go to the hotel and take a Bible from from the goddamn side. The problem? Well, for one, the book was hugely sexist and focused almost only on women promoting burning them at the stake, a common common punishment for heretics. Heretics. H-E-R-E-T-I-C-S. Heretics. Well, I am fucking... See, that's what happens when I do a two-hour radio show the other... From yesterday... And then I do a, a Patreon episode before I do this episode. Boy, I tell you, just my tongue tied. So who knows how many deaths it inspired? Its influence was too huge to quantify. The book was also filled with somewhat dubious information, such as the following facts about witches and saints. They stop cows from giving milk. They ride through the air on broomsticks on their way to the to forest orgies and eat in <laughs> they eat infants. This was real. This was a real book. You can buy this book. I'm actually going to buy it. I was looking at, at inserts from it or excerpts from it when I was doing this episode. And it literally says, witches stop cows from giving milk, causing famish and little children to die. They ride through the air on broomsticks on their way to forest orgies. I want to go to a forest orgy. Give me, give me a broom and I'm on my, I'm on my way. yippee ki motherfucker. Oh, and they also eat infants, by the way. Hmm. Isn't that what Alex Jones and the other right-wing QAnon uh, people say, that that the Democrats are, are Satanist and they eat babies? That's weird. I wonder where they got it from. Number nine, absolving sins for cash payments, including sins not yet committed. What? It's illegal. To, it's not very Catholic of you to take money to, a, to, a, to a get rid of sins to make you feel better. No. You go to the altar and say 3,947 our, our fathers one million Hail Marys, and two Glory Bees. If one bit of Catholic church history got drilled into your mind in high school, there's a good chance it was the selling of indulgence and Martin, and Martin Luther's reformation. Now synonymous with money-grubbing, the idea of an indulgence isn't so bad in theory. 
According to church doctrine, an indulgence is a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins whose guilt has already been forgiven, which the faithful Christian who is duly disposed gains under certain defined conditions through the church's help when, as a minister of redemption, she dispenses and applies with authority the treasury of the satisfactions won by Christ and the saints. Meaning that you go in there, you say for your, your sins, or you pray for your sins, and if they feel that you've been bossed, they'll kick you down a few cents. That, that's the bottom line of it. A little, word, a little wordy, but potentially inoffensive. In the 6th century, however, indulgences got out of hand. Pope Leo X had expensive taste and wasn't above using shady means to satisfy it. Indulgences were peddled as pay X to absolve you of Y. I didn't graduate math, but I'm pretty sure that that means, you know, I'm, I'm going to pay, pay me in this hand and I'll, and I'll grace you with my right hand. Basically, money gets you into heaven. To give some indication of how crazy things got, Dominican friar John Tetzel was named Grand Commissioner of Indulgences in Germany. So he was overseeing indulgences was his only job. That was literally his only job where he sold absolution for future sins. So, hey, give us some gold. It's all good if you kill that dude next week, but you're good because you're going to go to heaven because you kicked me down some, some gold. That's, that's what he did. If you were poor and ignorant, as most poor people in the period probably were, you basically just believed you were hopelessly fucked and did your best to prepare for an eternity spent frolicking in the torments of hell. Could you imagine only the rich can go to heaven, but the poor are fucked? Get, you know, get, get out of here. You're a loser. If you can't pay me my chips, if you can't pay me my dollars, dollars, I'm going to make you holla, holla in hell. Get it? Holla, holla. <laughs> that was bad. So what happened? Martin Luther, none too pleased, wrote his 95 theses, effectively kickstarting the Reformation, meaning that they, the, the Catholics who were indulging and saying, yo, I, I'm, I'm bling blinged out over here. Give me some jewelry. Give me some of that money, money, because I'm just going to help you with your sins. Don't even trip, boo. Oh, and then they're like, yeah, that's, that's not right. That's not very moral of the Catholic standing. So we're going to go ahead and do an investigation and you're going to get fucked. And they said, damn, maybe I shouldn't do that. Oh, I tell you. Number 10, orchestrating the fall of the Knights of Templar to appease a broke king. Now, this when I read this, when I first did this little, little bit, I remember reading, I love the Templar Knights. The Templar Knights are synonymous with a lot of different things. They are one of the greatest, most valiant knights that ever appeared in that time, in that time history. They're also the Templar Knights re regarded as one of the most racial fact racist factors in the United States. Look it up, the Templar Knights of whatever. They, they use those, the Knights Templar, in, in order to, to grab on with their Nazi bullshit, their KKK, their white power bullshit. It, it's not very far. Just look it up. Just look up Knights Templar related to racism and, and a bunch of shit pops up. So when I read this, I read, I read the part, uh, I mean, I'm always, I've always been fascinated with racism since I've been dealing with it my entire life. However, when I read about the actual Knights of the Templar, and I'm like, holy shit, these are some bad guys. These are some bad motherfuckers. I, I like these guys. And then I read the disband, the, the disbandment of them. I was like, whoa, what happened? And I never could figure out why. I think I lost interest about it, but now I know why. Made famous again by the Da Vinci Code, the Knights Templar, a stateless military fraternity assembled to protect Christian pilgrims on their way to the Holy Land, were the subject of gossip a long time ago. For those of you who, who weren't familiar with them. They were endorsed by the Roman Catholic Church in 1129 and were a famous valorous service in the Crusades. They were also really good with money, which shouldn't have been a problem. But King Philip the Ninth or the Fourth of France owed them and others a whole lot of it. 
Philip took advantage of growing fear of the Knights Templar's power and pressured the church into dropping the mighty anvil of God down on them. Now listen to that. King Philip took advantage of growing fear of the Knights Templar's power and pressured the church into dropping the mighty anvil of God onto them. Meaning, look, these motherfuckers are getting way powerful. I can't pay them. They're going to come collect and it's off with my head. So, hey, church, go ahead and uh, get rid of them and I'll kick you down whatever I have. What the church did next wasn't great. In 1307, Pope Clement V had members arrested and tortured, gaining false confessions of heresy. In fact, he got enough such confessions to justify disbanding the order in 1312. In 1307, Pope Clement V had members arrested and tortured, gaining false confessions of heresy. False confessions. He tortured them into lies. That's not much different from a lot of things that happen now in our, in our judicial system. But wait, the church is great still, right? Catholics. Woohoo! Various knights confessed to spitting on the cross, fraud and secrecy. <laughs> Various knights confessed to spitting on the cross. They confessed to fraud and secrecy, which was apparently a crime. Yeah, you can't be secret. And nobody cared the confessions arose from torture and were recanted afterward. They were recanted, meaning that it was all a lie. Our bishops of Sens Felipe de Maragni, who ran an investigation into the Knights Templar, had dozens burned at the stake. A fine repayment for all that fighting in the Crusades. They burned them as a, as a payment, as a repayment to the ones who, for all the ones who were fighting in the Crusades. They were burned at the stake off of lies and bullshit. The Knights Templar were the most honorable people to ever have fought and defended Christianity. I mean, look, look at their history. I mean, there's a book called Knights of the Knights Templar. It's an amazing book that I read not too long ago. And they, are, they were literally the most purest of the purest who all they wanted was the good of God and across the land. Now, I'm not saying that what they fought for was, I mean, what they fought for wasn't right and how they won and what they did wasn't correct, but everything was because of the grace of God. Everything was, they can't do anything unless it was handed down to them by the Pope or by someone of that, someone who is working, directing uh, under power of the Pope. So you're telling me that because one of the, the kings were broke and they couldn't pay his dues, he had them disbanded and murdered and tortured in order to save his skin, save some money, and save face. But again, the church said, okay, we're going we're gonna to accept these lies and we're going to continue with this bullshit because that's what we do. It's bullshit. In 2007, a secret document showing that Pope Clement V absolved the Knights Templar before later deciding to disband them was published. Historians believe this document provides essential proof that the church caved under King Philip's pressure. Good news for the Knights' integrity, bad news for the church. Good news for the Knights' integrity, bad news for the churches. Boy, I tell you. Number 11, burning someone 43 years after he passed because he upset some important Catholics. As if having your enemy slain wasn't enough, Catholics have burned the corpses too. What gives? Trying to outdo what the Romans did in J to J.C. Jesus Christ, we all know that. John Wycliffe, 1320 to 1384, famous English theologian and vocal critic of the church, was a forerunner of the Reformation. The Reformation of the church was meaning they, we need to redo everything that the Catholic Church stands for right then and right there. It is, it is bullshit. It is not the way that it should be. That's not the word of God, and we need to do something about it. We need a reformation. So at one point, there was a movement trying to get the churches reformed. Not a bad deal. We Churches need to be reformed now. 
Among his many criticisms was a belief that church should give up its worldly possessions. As you can imagine, this was an idea. This wasn't an idea the church was happy to have spread around. Wycliffe also promoted and worked on the first English translation of the Bible, hoping to give people direct access to the Word of God. Again, not a fun idea for the church, which liked its monopoly on power. It's monopoly on power. Do you, have to, you have to understand that even currently, the church has a lot of say-so in a lot of different things. Church, the Catholic church is involved in politics, by the way. Just don't, 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 be, don't, don't be blind, think that church, the, the church is not involved in politics. We need to seriously separate church and state in order for our country to thrive, to be progressive. William Courtney, Archbishop of Canterbury, made moves against Wycliffe after retiring. Wycliffe's writings were banned in certain areas, but it didn't end there. It didn't even end when Wycliffe perished of a stroke in 1384. Instead, in 1415, 31 years after he passed, the Council of Constance declared Wycliffe a heretic. Not only did they order his books burned, but they also ordered his body exhumed and burned. Not only did they order his books burned, hmm, burning books, there's that thing again, but they also ordered his body exhumed and burnt. How petty and, and how hungry for power do you have to be where you're, you're going to exhume someone's body and burn it 31 years after he already died? But hey, that, those are the Catholics though. And it took them 12 years to do so. So 43 years after Wycliffe passed, his corpse was torched and his ashes thrown in the River Swift. So much for resting in peace, right? Am I right? So 43 years after he died of a stroke, his body was exhumed and they left it there 12 more years when they finally decided to burn it. They torched, his, they torched him and threw his ashes were thrown in River Swift. Get the fuck out of here. Number 12, executing John Huss for working out some tricky theological philosophy. The church tends to be pretty brutal with its critics. The treatment of John Huss, born 1372, one, is one of the best, <laughs> actually one of the worst, examples. A Czech priest, Huss felt the church run by humans who are by nature flawed must necessarily, oh, did you, did, let me read that again. A Czech priest, Huss, felt the church run by humans who are by nature flawed. Huh. There's no perfect human. I don't care who you think you are. You're not perfect. Must necessarily also therefore be flawed while the Bible, the direct word of God had no flaws. He was therefore, he was therefore openly critical of church practices, especially the, the Papal schism and indulgent sales. Hmm. Weird. He was against making money off of the word of God. That's, that's kind of weird, isn't it? So not very happy with Huss, the church convened the, the church convened the Council of Constance and invited him to join them. Nothing to worry about, right? Just a wee little chat or so, they said. Nah, let me just talk to you, buddy. Come over here. I need you to talk to you for a bit. We, we need to chop it up. Nothing to worry about. Instead of having that wee chat, the council arrested Huss and put him on trial and then in jail for, you guessed it, heresy. He was kept in a dungeon, and, and when he refused to recant his teachings, received a capital sentence. The church even refused him his last rites before burning him at the stake. The church even refused him his last rites before burning him at the stake. Wow. Wow. Just burned him at the stake for no reason. Number 13, the joust of, the joust of whores organized by Pope Alexander VI. Oh, you heard that right. The joust of whores. 
The Joust of Whores is just one example of the corrupt and ridiculous popes of yore. In 1501, Pope Alexander VI, a Borgia, if that rings any bells, who was known to have some pretty refined hobbies like watching horses fornicate, took things way over the top. According to historian Tony Peretet, he invited 50 women to strip at the Pope's table. Then things got weird. As Perotet writes, Alexander and his family gleefully threw chestnuts on the floor, forcing the women to grovel around their feet like swine. They then, they then offered prizes of fine clothes and jewelry for the man who could fornicate with the most women. Weird fornication is, 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 is against the, the rules of the Catholic Church. Huh. So is bribery. So is uh, indulgence. So is gluttony. They offered, they offered prizes of fine clothes and jewelry for the man who could fornicate with the most women. It's rumored Alexander VI was slain by his son Caesar. Just to show how truly vile Alexander was, his body was expelled from the, Basi- the Basilia, the Bas- 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 <laughs> Basilicia of St. Peter. Why? He was considered too evil for sacred soil. But yet, this is the Catholic tradition that we try to hold on to. The Everyone is great and everyone's a saint, right? Number 14, the Roman Inquisition, during which Judaism and love magic were serious crimes. The level of the church's involvement in various inquisitions can be argued. It's important to remember Pope Innocent IV, ironic name, that is, explicitly condoned torture as an inquisition interrogation technique in his Papal Bull Ad Extra, extra Panda in 1252, which probably deserve its own place on this list. The Spanish Inquisition, the most famous of these tribunals, was carried out by Spanish royalty and friars who were Catholic but not working directly for or under direction of the Vatican. But wait, don't forget the Roman Inquisition or the Supreme Sacred Congregation of the Roman and Universal Inquisition, which was 100% the church's doing, ordered directly by the church, in other words. In 1542, as part of a counter-reformation against Protestant Protestantism, seriously, didn't these people have anything better to do than overreact to other Christians who were pissed off at them? <laughs> I was reading notes, I'm sorry. The Spanish Inquisition's gentle cousin, the Roman Inquisition, was born. Galileo and Copernicus were among those questioned. While church staple hearsay was, hearsay was a popular dish during the Inquisition, the menu had a number of other options, including blasphemy, Judaism, which is a crime how, Immortal, immorality, witchcraft, love magic, and anything else wrathful Pappas could shoehorn in. John Bargrave, a, con- a contemporary English writer, described how he was questioned in Latin to prevent uneducated guards from understanding what he was being said. He was also prevented from carrying books printed at any heretical city in Geneva, Amsterdam, Leiden, London, or the like. Not as bad as the Spanish Inquisition, sure, but very much related and equally dogmatic. Close-minded and power-mongering, a church specialty. Bon mort friars et soris. So you're telling me that because people were carrying around books of nothing that wasn't religious, it was automatically a crime and probably sentenced to prison. This wasn't was my favorite, my favorite one. Number 15, imprisoning Galileo Galilei in his home for years because he suggested science was greater than God. The famous uh, uh, astronomer, or not astronomer, yeah, astronomer, Galileo, Galilee, was in his was captured in his home, trapped for years because he suggested that science was greater than God, which we all know it is. Science is greater than God. Science can be proved. God can't. 
The church and science have complicated have a complicated relationship to put it nicely. In 1633, Galileo Galilei, the father of like the father of all science, was put on trial by the church for saying the sun is the center of the universe and the earth moves around it rather than the other way around. Which I mean, we all know logically is true, right? Right. I mean, the, the sun isn't the earth isn't the center of the universe. The sun is the center of the universe. But okay. I'm just kidding. The sun wasn't the center of the universe. I'm kidding. I was seeing who, who was actually listening. <laughs> Pope Urban VIII was having none of it, seeing Galileo's statement as horrific heresy. So 10 cardinals sat in judgment of Galileo, who was threatened with torture, imprisonment, and even burned at the stake. He was threatened just based off of his, his, his teachings. I mean, his, his, his instructions or his learning. His studies, that's it. Galileo, 69th at the time, and in pitiable state of bodily indisposition, eventually renounced his beliefs. Because of this, the church went easy on him rather than torture. He was subjected to house arrest until he passed. Wow, that was a great, that's a great way to teach someone of modern science, right? Someone to treat, the way, well, good way to treat people, Catholics. That's awesome. And what does the church have to say on the subject now? The Catholic church have released a statement saying, quote, we today know that Galileo was right in adopting the copper, the, holy shit, the copper neck and Astronomical, astronomical, <laughs> tongue tied. Astronom, astronomical, astronomical theory. Astronomical. Jesus Christ. Saying words like tihi. <laughs> uh, uh, astronomical theory. Cardinal Paul Popper, the head of an investigation into the matter, said so in 1992. So it only took him what, like 350 years to admit that Galileo was right? Nah, weird. Number 16, cutting funds for immigrants because their connection to the LGBTQ plus community. Cutting funds for immigrants because of their connection to the LGBTQ plus community. Not all Catholic faux pas comes from the past. There's been some dodgy stuff in modern times as well. See priest rape, see priest rape bonanza. That check that out. I, I read that shit. That's just crazy. And the church's relationship with the LGBTQ plus community continues to be a source of frustration. For years, the church gave thousands of dollars to Compañeros, a nonprofit organization helping Hispanic immigrants access health care, understand laws, and meet other basic needs. That is, until the church found out Compañeros teamed up with a gay and lesbian rights group, at which point Nicole Mosher, executive director of Compañeros, was informed their funding was in danger. Compañeros is but one example of organizations the church threatens for not falling in line with the most strident, with the most strident dictates of Catholicism. The New York Times explained in 2002, since 2010, nine groups from across the country have lost financing from the campaign because of conflicts with with Catholic principles. On the one hand, of course, it's okay for the church to withhold money from causes in contradiction with its beliefs, you know, like abortion clinics, so to speak. But cutting off funding to, to aid the needy simply because of an association with the LGBTQ plus community seems extreme and unfair especially given church doctrine on helping the needy and feeding the poor. Weird, right? Wasn't that what Jesus said? Help the needy and feed the poor? Huh. That's directly what they say. So wouldn't their cause be appropriate? They're helping the needy and feeding the poor unless you're gay, unless you're part of the LGBTQ plus community and then you're, you're, you're banded. You're the same. We can't help you anymore. Get fucked. What's more, members of the LGBTQ plus community can identify as Catholics and go to church, but can't be helped by that church. This is all the more difficult to swallow considering the church's 
billion dollar stock portfolio. The Catholic Church has a $1.6 billion stock portfolio, but they can't help people because they're associated or members of or being associated with the LGBTQ plus community. Isn't that kind of isn't that kind of weird? Isn't that kind of contradicting? Isn't that kind of fucked up? I mean, we, let's help the needy and feed the poor. Unless you're gay or you're going to get an abortion, then you can't be helped. You're going to hell. Burn you at the stake, Keithan. Burn you at the stake. Bullshit. Graveyard Grumbler's final wrap. Let's go ahead and wrap this episode up because I'm pretty sure that halfway through there's a lot of people turned off this episode. A lot of people were pissed off about what I had to say about the church. See, I'm not against religion unless you uh, if you use your mind and you think. Pro, you know, just good morals and ethics. There's nothing wrong with religion. However, you have these nuts that decide that well, they're going to translate the Bible in whatever way they want and make rules up and shit that doesn't make sense. We're supposed to love thy neighbor, except if your neighbor is gay, except if your neighbor is trans, except if your neighbor is going to get an abortion. Then you can't like them. You can't love them. We're going to burn them at the stake. We're going to outcast them, ridicule them, and make sure that they have the most miserable life because of religion. That's what I have a problem with. That is the reason why I'm an atheist. I don't believe in it. I never have since the age of 12. Catholicism was forced down my throat as a child. And I hated it. I hated it. I hated doing my first Holy Communion. I hated getting baptized. I remember that shit. I was drowning. He said, help me. Mr. Japan. Help me. Help me. Please don't drown me. I didn't want to be confirmed. I didn't want any of that. I didn't, I didn't even want to get my kids baptized. The only reason why I got my kids baptized was because my mom kept pressuring me. And I was like, okay, mom, I'll, I'll get it done. You can, I'll baptize them because you want them to. And that's it. No more. I'm not going any further than baptizing them. I never have believed in religion. I never will believe in religion. I never believed in God. I won't believe in God. I never believed in Jesus Christ. I, I don't believe in any of that stuff. I don't think it's, there's not enough solid evidence proving that this was factual. It's a fairy tale book. That was made about a sky fairy that has no actual proof and no actual factual scientific research data showing that this is this, all these events were actually true. Again, I told you that this, this episode was going to be controversial, and I hope that you stuck through the entire thing. But let me give you a little bit more of, of conspiracy. Now, this, is, this, is, this hasn't been confirmed yet. But I believe that this is pretty controversial. So let me let, let's a controversial conspiracy. So let, let me read these. The Catholic Church has the world's largest collection of inappropriate child imagery. The world's largest collection of inappropriate child imagery. Perhaps one of the most damaging conspiracies about the Vatican is that there's a massive record-breaking collection of sexual images hidden from view. Not only does this seem at odds with the church's public views about fornication, but it also quite creepy if you consider the potential implications. After all, the Catholic Church has experienced virtually countless scandals. Many have speculated that the secret vault contains more than 100,000 depictions of children, especially in light of the AMP and the priest in priest prosecutions. It is also alleged that there was some uh, law enforcement agencies that were when they would they when they would confiscate and take away sexual images from pedophiles that were caught on their computers or on their phones. They were given and uploaded to the Vatican. I don't know if that's true. That's something that I read, but it was said that pedophile or child pornography that was taken away from pedophiles on the streets were directly uploaded to the Vatican and hidden away in their underground vault. I don't know how true that is. 
I, I can't find any any for sure, but that was something that I read. It was a conspiracy that, that I found inside of a wormhole. But could you imagine if that was true? Could you imagine if that was actually true, that pedophiles were, or the cops were, or, or law enforcement agencies were, were uploading these, porn, these child images, these child pornographic images into the Vatican directly so they can have access to them? You believe that shit? This is another conspiracy that they have that the Vatican is allegedly supposed to have in their in their vault that will never take place, that, that will never see the light of day. It is alleged that evidence that Jesus Christ never existed. They have proof that Jesus Christ never existed hidden away in the vault. Before you look at me like, oh, Jesus was real. Now, how do you know? You guys, you guys rode bikes together? Tried on sandals? If you were the Pope, what's the one secret you need the, to guard above all others? One conspiracy theory posits that... One conspiracy theory states that the biggest secret in history is that the Vatican contains proof Jesus never existed. There's also a rumor that the exact opposite is true, linked to the Jesus papers, although it doesn't make much sense that the Catholic Church would go out of their way to hide evidence of Jesus. After all, if they could conclusively prove his existence, their churches would probably experience a huge increase in membership. If If I had undeniable source or undeniable evidence that Jesus Christ was real— that Jesus Christ actually existed and all these miracles that were, that were written in, this, in the book were true, I would publicly go on record on my podcast, on my radio, and say that I am a devout Catholic with undeniable proof that Jesus Christ was real. But we all know that's never going to happen because it's not real. Why do you think there's no, there has never been no evidence, no solid proof that Jesus Christ ever existed? Because they're doing everything in their power to prove that, to hide that Jesus Christ never existed. If you take away the fairy tale, you're never going to receive the money, the $1.9 billion portfolio that they have now, that they've accrued over the centuries and centuries of the lie that they've had going on. The Catholic Church is riddled with murder, rape, molestation, torture. They have blood on their hands from all types of different directions. They also take money in droves. They, 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 get, they have no taxes. They, they don't get taxed from anywhere in the world. They're tax exempt. So all of your Sunday collection money is going to pay for legal fees, going for torture, going for sex, going for all this shit. It, it's proven. Read about it. Don't be a sheep. Uh, just look it up. Again, I told you this, this episode was going to be controversial. I'm done for the day. There's really no announcements other than my Patreon is active. I, am, I have the, the, the time to actually post regularly now i'm going to be posting once a week unless something happens and i will let you know i released one episode already today it was a pretty creepy one it was pretty fucked up i had to do it on patreon i have a 911 call attached to it but other than that there's no other announcements tune into my radio show every thursday morning if you're interested in the link let me know and i'll and i'll send it to you other than that there's not much to say i want to thank everyone for their continued support i want to thank you so much for all the downloads i thank you for so much so but please do me a favor Get my name out there. Throw it out to your friends. Blow it up. Make sure Graveyard Grumbler podcast is huge and everybody knows what podcast you listen to, why you listen to me, and let them listen to me anywhere. I'm, on, I'm everywhere. I'm on Apple, Spotify. I'm everywhere you can think of. Other than that, I appreciate everyone once again. And as always, good morning, good day, good night, goodbye. This is the end, this is the end, this is the end. Yeah, which is the end. Graveyard Grumbler Graveyard Podcast. Grumbler.